Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. My name is Nadine Rosenblum. Today, I am bringing you a special presentation from the SHINE 2023 conference. This is a presentation of our leadership panel, How QI Can Improve Your Scores. Without further ado, let me allow Heather Watson, our moderator for this panel, take it away. Hello, and welcome to the SHINE Conference and today's panel um, discussing quality improvement metrics, questions um, about how QI can improve your scores, like your HCAPs, CAUTI, CLABC, etc. And with me today, I have several people from across our health system to discuss how they use quality improvement and how you can too. So I'm gonna start by having our panel briefly introduce themselves and I'll start with Rosanna. Hi everybody, my name is Rosanna Oakley and I'm the Magnet Program Coordinator for Johns Hopkins Baby Medical Center. Thank you for having me. Holly. Hi, I'm Holly Farley, Coordinator for Nursing Quality at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Gosha. Hello, everyone. My name is Gosha Ryan. I'm a Clinical Informatics Program Coordinator at JHH. Kim. Hi there, I'm Kim Cooperman. I'm the Nursing Professional Practice Director at All Children's Hospital. And last but not least, Amy. Hi everyone, I'm Amy Sawyer. I am the Director of Nursing System Strategy and Operations at Sibley Memorial Hospital. Well, welcome to you all and thank you so much for taking the time out to share your experiences with all of our nurses and whoever else might be joining us at the SHINE Conference this year. It is so important, these scores drive so much of what we do. So my first question for, I'm gonna start with Rosanna, is just, Talk to us about what nurse-sensitive indicators are. Thank you, Heather. So nurse-sensitive indicators, I think there's a, a real importance in understanding what that, what that means. And so according to the National Database of Nursing Quality Indicators, they really define those indicators as really the structure of the process and the patient outcomes that us as nurses directly impact. So whether it's in a positive way or a negative way, looking to see what we can do to change in our practice to improve them. And so there's three different categories that go within what they are. There are they are those that look at structure of nurse sensitive indicators, there's process, and then there's outcomes related to them. And so you can break them up in different ways and how you can really factor into how you can improve them. So the ones we commonly know about are, of course, our CLAPSI, our quality rates, our hospital acquired pressure injuries, and of course, falls, falls with injuries, one of the most common top four that we look at um, when we're looking at the process measures within our organizations. Thank you for that explanation. Um, Holly, is there anything else you would add about nurse sensitive indicators? Thanks, Heather. Not, not even add, really just to stress that it's the care that you all give as nursing staff in the hospital can contribute to these quality outcomes, processes, and structures. And what's good about quality improvement is you can assess and evaluate those structures and those processes and those outcomes to improve the quality of care and the safety for our patients under our care. 
Well, thank you for that. Um, I imagine there's a lot of different ways that we get information um, about nurse sensitive indicators. So um, I've heard, and I know I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of Tableau. And so Gosha, can you explain what Tableau is? Thanks for that question, Heather. So Tableau is a visualization tool. Uh, what it does is it takes data from a, a data source. So it could be Epic, it could be even an Excel spreadsheet. And it takes that data and then creates a picture. This picture can be worth a thousand words and it can be a lot easier to evaluate and analyze than looking at a spreadsheet of a thousand rows. Uh, so again, it's just a vis visualization tool. Um, it can create graphs, trend lines, um, heat maps to help you figure out, you know, what is the possible source or cause for a problem? Well, what are my problem areas and where should I focus my action plan? Hey, thank you, Gosha. Um, Kim, have you used Tableau or do you use Tableau where you are and what do you do with it? Thanks, Heather. Um, yes, we use Tableau at All Children's Hospital. Um, all of the leaders have access to the Tableau dashboard, um, and that is accessible through our intranet, which is called Connect. Um, we also make available the PDF versions of the Tableau data to our staff as well. So. Um, staff can go on our local intranet and download the most recent um, 12 month rolling um, data from Tableau for their unit or for the hospital as a whole to see how they're doing. It. Um, the managers use this data to report out during their monthly staff meetings. And we also uh, look at this data in a variety of different meetings throughout the hospital, whether it's our nursing patient safety and quality meeting or our care improvement committee, patient safety and quality oversight. So uh, we are using this data in um, a, a number of different meetings and settings. Thank you, Kim. Amy, if I am a, a bedside nurse and maybe I have been in the hospital for like six months, two years, why do I care about this? What does this like really mean to me? I think that's a great question and, and probably what some of our audience members are, are even wondering. Um, I think Tableau is a great um, tool that we can use um, to really give us a picture of what's going on. Like, like was talked about earlier, it, it pulls from that, those different data sources and it, rather than having to go into Epic and look at multiple patients charts about, let's say we're talking about patient falls. Um, it really helps to, to tabulate and um, helps us to look at patient falls. Maybe we want to look at it on a particular unit for, um, let's say I'm working on a unit and I've noticed we seem to have a lot of patient falls on our unit um, with injury or without injury. And we want to kind of dig down into what, how can we look at the data and how can that inform our decision for what measures and what things we need to put into place in order to improve this outcome. And so Tableau really allows me as a nurse to go in and see, you know, you can see um, what are the different reasons why patients are falling. Um, you can calculate, you can look at an entire month at a time or a whole calendar year um, and maybe look at, you know, all of our patients were, they do a lot of great graphs and we can say all of our patients here on this, on this med surge unit, 
um, really are falling around toileting. Well, maybe we need to put something into place around more frequent rounds um, to address more toileting issues, or maybe it's something else that's going on. Um, but it really gives you that information. And so I think as a clinical nurse, it really helps to inform you. You know, sometimes as a nurse, you're there for, you know, typical full-time nurse is there for three shifts. And in the midst of that shift, it's hard to see the global picture sometimes. Um, and I think that's one thing that Tableau really allows is for you to see that global picture, even just on your unit, or maybe you want to look at hospital Y. Maybe you're very interested in, in getting involved in something like patient falls. Um, and so you want to look at kind of the larger, the larger issues. Um, but it really helps that provide that information to that nurse to then inform their practice and help make improvements, even if it's just on the local scale at, at their, their unit. Great. Thank you for that. I think that really helps um, helps people understand because when we throw out big words like data and tables and graphs and like age cap scores and all these things, it's, you know, if I'm a new nurse and, and I'm learning how to do things and I want to make sure I'm doing things the best way possible, I guess I need to understand how this information is relevant to my practice. So I think that's a really great way to help nurses with that visualization too. I think that's wonderful. Um, Rosanna, is there anything about Tableau that, is there anything it doesn't do for you? Is there anything that you wish it was like, that was different about it? I think to be honest, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off what Amy was, was reiterating. I think, yes, it's looking, it's taking that raw data that can be easily pulled from Epic, for example, and really analyze it, takes it a step further so that it compares it to a benchmark, right? Because the numbers are just the numbers. They don't really mean anything unless I'm comparing to something. What, what is my goal to reach, right? Um, but I think ultimately one of the things that I struggle with personally with Tableau is that I'm very dependent on an analyst, somebody who can really put in the information. And so there's a lag in time, right? And I think I want it now, right? I want that information right now. And just to understand, having that understanding of what, how, what, it takes to put the information in, the process. And so sometimes we may be a quarter behind in the data. And so you're trying to make changes and you're hoping that, you know, what you're doing today impacts tomorrow, but unfortunately you do have to wait a little bit to be able to, for the data to catch up sometimes. And so that lag in time, sometimes you could have a little bit of, of drop in morale or, you know, those fast wins that really keeps um, staff engaged. Sometimes you lose the momentum because there's a lag in time. Not everything is like that. Most of our data is can be collected in real time as, as a, a month, or it could take up to a quarter, three months for that data to be updated. And so having that basic understanding for the staff to, to have as a background to understand why is it taking so long, right? Um, it's just to understand how things are reported out, but then also clearly understanding what are we measuring ourselves against? Yes, we're me measuring ourselves to like organizations. And of course, even amongst each other within our health system, we do have six hospitals, but of those six, not all of them are academic institutions. Some of them are, are community hospitals. What does that even mean for me as a clinical nurse? And so understanding the differences does help you to, to see where you, where you land. Because again, we wanna also see the benefits that if there's, if I can compare myself to, let's say if I'm looking at at Johns Hopkins Bayview and Johns Hopkins Hospital, and I see that their falls are trending way way down a lot faster, I can quickly reach out and say, oh, what's happening in this particular unit? Because I can see it on that dashboard. 
rather than play, playing the guessing game. I wonder what everybody's doing. And then you then are reinventing the wheel over and over and over again, rather than going straight to the source and saying, hey, Holly, what are you doing on your unit that is really impacting falls rather than me, you know, living in a silo and reinventing the wheel. So that's where I find value. But again, it's just a little frustrating sometimes. Um, even though I understand there's a lag in time of um, the data being updated, just being able to see that bigger picture is very beneficial. I agree with that, Rosanna, because, you know, if you, if you want to know this shift, am I compliant with my restraint documentation? Well, that's, I'm not going to get that information from Tableau because there's a delay. We got the, the data goes to the cloud warehouse and then gets imported into Epic and maybe refreshed every 24 hours for that metric that I want to know about. So in that case, Gersha may agree. I may use Epic for that, maybe a report or my work list just to see how I'm doing this shift. So sometimes it's, it's tricky to figure out what dashboard you want to use, what questions are you trying to answer, and then to figure out the best place to go to get that answer. Well, thank you for that um, additional information. So I heard a lot of great things about collaboration and how you can use this information to improve patient care. So I'd like to take this opportunity for each of you to, to provide our audience with an example of a project that you did where you used some, some data and you collaborated with folks and, and how that turned out. And so I'm going to just change it up and go a little out of order here. So I'm just going to go around my little screen differently. Um, and I'm going to start with Kim and I'm going to ask you. So some some ways that you've worked with people collaboratively and collected and analyzed some data to make a, a difference in, in outcomes for patient care. All right, well, um, we are really in the middle of our magnet writing right now for um, our redesignation. And so those of you that are familiar with magnet know that um, a good number of our stories that we write come from this quality improvement type data where staff are looking at their uh, quality data on their unit and then um, noticing a trend and then doing something in response to that to make improvements. And so um, one story that comes to mind that I just reviewed not too long ago, <laughs> um, was about um, our peripheral IV infiltrate um, in our NICU. And so they noticed the trend of uh, peripheral IV infiltrate and, um, you know, got together to, with a group of people, with clinical nurse leaders, um, advanced practice providers, nurses, um, and other physicians to see what was going on in the unit and what, um, what, what things that they might be able to do to make improvements to that number. And so they got together a group, they um, did a needs assessment of the education needs that were um, lacking, and they did re-education on staging of IVs and um, doing touch, look, and compare of assessments of IVs on the unit and to make, um, to educate the nurses on things that might have been um, missed and causing these infiltrates um, to get even worse than they were. And so um, that was very successful for our NICU. And after their intervention, they had um, no infiltrates for um, several months after that. So 
That's just one story that comes to mind, but we have a lot of those throughout the hospital. Thank you, that's a great example. <clears throat> Gosha, um, in your role, what, what sort of uh, information are you gathering and analyzing and what kind of project work have you been involved in um, that, that works with all this data? Uh, so I can think of quite a few examples and even as uh, an informatics uh, program coordinator, I have been involved in many quality improvement projects not informatics related, but just because of the data collection of how we document things and then um, tracking the compliance. So there's quite a few stories, but the biggest one I can think of that's informatics related is our barcode scanning compliance, um, which is very important. Um, a couple years ago, uh, Armstrong has brought up, as you're aware, at JHHR compliance for scanning patient wristbands during lab collection was only at 92% which is a patient safety issue, right? If you don't scan the patient's wristband, potentially you could be sending labs for the wrong patient. There could be a mismatch, um, wrong treatment. So we used Tableau dashboard to really analyze the data. And it was a lot of data because it was the entire hospital. Everybody was doing poorly. Um, there were only maybe a couple units here and there that were actually reaching the 96 percentile for compliance. And so we really worked together as a clinical informatics leadership team and each department was represented. And for those departments that were um, above the threshold 96%, you know, we try to collaborate and figure out, okay, what are you doing in your units that your compliance, uh, compliance is above 96%? And then we try to apply those lessons to those units that were struggling. Um, and really the unit that um, stood out to me the most was the emergency department. Um, their compliance was in the high 80s and, was, and they have a lot of scans. They scan a lot of labs. Um, and so first, you know, with Tableau, we were able to identify that it's a specific role that maybe we need to focus on first. Um, and so we collaborated with the nurse manager and the leadership team. There was a lot of re-education and just the fact that the staff was now aware that someone's monitoring the compliance, that really changed the behavior. Uh, and so uh, within a year time period, which year can be a long time, but within the year time period, we reached that 96 percentile for the ED. Now COVID happened and you know, things went crazy a little bit during COVID and the compliance went down again. And as things sort of started returning back to normal, we sort of gathered back with the ED and said, hey, listen, like your compliance is still in the mid 80s. We know you can do it. You have been at 96 percentile, like you can do it. And so we walked together, worked together with the leadership team, looking at the Tableau data, trying to figure out um, who do we need to talk to? Like which employees do we need to talk to and re-educate them and find out what are the challenges? Are there scanners that are not working? Is there a problem with the workflow? And I'm happy to say that the um, adult ED, they have been above 96 percentile for their um, patient scanning with labs for over a year now. So it's, it's great what you can do when you have the data that's easily easy to analyze and it can help you pinpoint where exactly do I need to go um, to address challenges. That's a great example. I have a follow-up question. Um, if I'm watching this panel and this is the first time I've ever really heard about this data or age caps or benchmarks or any of this, can you tell everybody where does a benchmark come from? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think well, for the... <laughs> if you don't know, I can field it to the group. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right, I'm going to field it to the group. Does anybody want to take this one? 
Rosanna went off mute. I was going to say, I, was, I can take part of this. So there's different um, sources or different credentialing bodies that provide benchmarks. Like one that comes to mind specifically um, was the organization that I mentioned earlier, which is the National Database of Nursing Quality Indicators, or the NDNQR, which is the, the term or the, the acronym we normally refer it to. And then, there, of course, there's other ones like the um, AHRQ and so forth. So these are bodies um, throughout the, the, the nation and even have um, touch base throughout the world in which they set standards um, to really provide, you know, what are, what are the, the benchmarks for us to reach when it comes to certain metrics? Because we understand that even though many of these nurses indicators are being considered never events, they should never happen, right? We have the the plans in place and we operationalize appropriately, they should never happen, but we understand we're, we're all humans, we're not perfect, and so there needs to be a um, reality to that, right? So at the minimum, this is what, what is allowed or is acceptable in some ways um, for organizations of different sizes, and so that's what we compare ourselves to depending on, on the different uh, benchmarks. Thank you so much for that explanation. Holly, did you want to say something? Yeah, and it, it really, like NDNQI gives us a comparison to like units and like hospitals. So, for instance, a neuro unit at an academic medical center would be compared to the neuro unit at my academic medical center. And community hospitals are compared to community hospitals with by patient population, like the ICU at Suburban would be compared to a similar ICU in that you know, type of hospital. So it gives you, while we all strive for zero, it lets us compare our performance to a similar unit type in patient population. So we get an idea of the, that's the benchmark really. That's a really great clarification and, and it helps me understand and I'm sure the audience understand that the numbers aren't just random. And obviously we want 100% compliance, but as Rosanna pointed out, like people are human and there's always extenuating circumstances and like getting to 100% isn't always practical. So those benchmarks are set um, by regulatory bodies or by agencies in a way that, that makes us have a, a place to get to that sort of accountability. Um, great, so Amy, why don't you tell me a good example of how you've used this data um, in collaboration to impact patient safety and quality. Sure, thank you. Um, I think one great example that comes to my mind that we've used here at Sibley, um, I'll go back to falls, um, is around some of our patient falls. We have one of our surgical units, it's an orthopedic surgical unit, um, uh, and has surg surgical units, post-op patients, med-surg patients on it. Um, we noticed a trend in, in falls with them, like many other units, um, a few years ago. And so they really, the nurses on that unit, um, along with the, the leadership, really came together and put in place, you know, looked at our falls rates over a number of, um, a period of time. Um, we also, they also used in collaboration, we have a weekly, what we call a weekly fall debrief meeting, um, where if we've had a fall in the previous week, um, we invite nursing leadership, we invite the nurses that were caring for that patient to come and kind of do, it's a, a little bit of an informal um, root cause analysis or RCA, um, where we discuss it weekly, what happened, um, what could we could have put in place to prevent it, if there was anything, what we have learned from it or best practices that we're taking and how we've even re-educated staff within that unit. 
Um, and it helps us, we use actually Tableau data to, to look at that, pulled directly from EPIC, um, which also helps us to identify, are we, how's our documentation? You know, are we charting this and documenting this correctly? So we, we've used that for, for a while. And so we've used that data to really look at some of our specific units around their falls rate. And this one example of kind of a quality improvement project that, that took place on our surgical unit, um, last year they piloted what we would call a patient fall agreement. So they had an agreement and really the, the idea is that it's not necessarily a legal binding agreement, but we wanted to emphasize the patient education. Um, surgical patients often are not patients that are used to being at risk for falling, right? They're, they may think they're ready to keep going just like they were pre-surgery. Um, and so they really took this opportunity to um, go over the patient education from admission um, onto that unit to say you are at high risk because of these things, um, because of your surgery, because of your immobility potentially, because of medications that you're taking and, and various other things. And so they used that um, to educate the, the, the patient and really ask the patient to agree to call the nurse if they needed to get up. So that's where we came with that uh, agreement piece. And so they really rolled this out last year on, on that unit um, and had a huge, huge success and dramatically decreasing their, their fall rate on that unit. And it is a very specialized unit, so it was a little bit easier to do that than maybe on a, a typical med surge unit. But we have taken that then and we're now beginning to roll it out on a lot of our other medical surgical units um, as just a best practice for all of the great results that they had in driving down their fall rate um, and including injury with fall. Um, again, that's something we also are writing to for our magnet document as well, but a great example of using data, putting something into place and really seeing those results. I think those nurses are very, very proud of what they've done. Excellent, thank you so much. Holly, do you have a, an example for me of where um, you've used a data and a collaboration for improvement? Yeah, and actually I was thinking about um, a process improvement, which in, in quality, you know, as Rosanna mentioned, structure, process, outcome. And, you know, with looking at outcomes and improving outcomes comes somewhat naturally to all of us, right? We're always looking at, you know, improving a patient's blood pressure, you know. So we are looking at CHC compliance, okay? And this is something that we all, you know, have a piece of paper, do a chart review for our patients with central line. Did they receive a CHC treatment every 24 hours, right? And the linen change now in, in that two hour window. And we can do it on a piece of paper. And we looked at this at, at the health system. Amy and I sit on our health system quality council and CLABC is a priority for us across all of our hospitals. And CHC compliance was something that we all needed to work on. The snapshot that we get with the piece of paper on various places is not as, I don't know what the word is, but we want more, okay? And we can automate this because both of those things are in EPIC. So we collaborate, work with our informatics folks and analysts and programmers to figure out what do we need to pull to improve the process by which we collect this data. And now instead of a prevalent snapshot in time, how are we doing? via manual, manual collection, putting in an Excel spreadsheet, maybe getting a graph from Excel. Now it's something that's updated in, it's in Tableau now. If you look up CHD compliance, you can look up your unit's performance 
and we've really automated the collection of that data to make it easier, more comprehensive, and you know, ava available, readily available for improvement. So now units can look at, look at that and say, hey, how are we doing with CEC compliance? Because I have four classy outcomes. How's my process? So you can improve your processes, which would then improve your outcomes. I love that you gave that example that it's it's not always just focused on outcomes, right? I mean, obviously the outcomes are what we want to get to, but there's a process on how to, to get there. And sometimes the glitch, for lack of a better word, is somewhere in that process. Um, and we may not be aiming at the right thing um, by just looking at the outcomes data. So thank you for that example. Rosanna, do you have an example that you'd like to share? Sure, thank you. So I think kind of just like Holly mentioned, there's a lot of things that we could factor into looking at our processes. Because I think sometimes when we do things over and over again, even though we may understand the why, over time things just don't continue to make much sense. So specifically, what I'm re relating to is our um, pressure injury prevention strategies. I think over time we have found that you know, there's been a lot of best practices out there um, that we we factor into our, to our practice. So upon admission, you know, we do a, a visual skin assessment for all of our patients. But I think what what ends up falling short for a lot of us is that we're so you know we know that the visual skin assessment is very subjective, and so what we have found that is that in part that's really contributing to us impacting or properly decreasing our rates of hospital-acquired pressure injuries. And so one of the initiatives that our wound care nurses have done here at Johns Hopkins Bayview is incorporate um, a practice little by little um, of it's called or it's referred to as the four eyes within four hours initiative. What that means is that within four hours of a patient being admitted or um, being transferred in or returning from the operating room, two sets of eyes would assess that patient from head to toe and would be able to document to that effect to be able to really provide, you know, if you're thinking about when you hang a PCA pump or you do any kind of those titratable medications and you need that independent verifier by a secondary nurse, it's the same kind of premise when you're looking at that visual skin assessment that's so subjective. And so a lot of our units little by little have been incorporating. So one specific, a medical surgical unit who, because of turnover and a couple of different factors, and this is even before the pandemic, began to see a huge uptick in trend in their hospital acquired conditions as measured on a quarterly basis when we do our NDNQI skin assessments within the house or audits. And um, once they were able to implement and really educate, bring in that higher level of awareness about, you know, really that integrator reliable pre-assessment by a secondary nurse, it allowed them to really see the value of, oh, you know, maybe I didn't, I didn't see that properly, or maybe I didn't stage it because maybe I'm not as well versed in how to stage um, pressure injuries. And so having that secondary nurse to really provide not only just-in-time education or maybe bring something to your attention you otherwise would not have seen, um, it allowed for that unit specifically to have an improvement. So they, their trends were going, again, in that wrong direction. As soon as they implemented the education, by the next NDNQI um, survey that they had on their unit, they had zero. The next quarter, they had zero. And it just continued that way until, unfortunately, the pandemic hit. And um, so, <laughs> sadly to say, but again, we can say that the evidence supports that this initiative works. And so, um, what, what we're focusing right now is really back to basics 
kind of reintroduction, reinstruction for a lot of these units that have had huge turnover. Again, this is likewise for all of our institutions. So really just having that okay moment, we understand why, and not being defeated before you even start. So again, our focus right now is back to basics when it comes to that initiative to really um, raise the awareness of not only our current staff, but our new staff and those intermediate staff that are, are working through our, our institutions. Great, thank you for that um, information. You raised a couple of really important points. One, uh, I think everybody's scores were impacted by the pandemic because it was an un, um, you know, unprecedented time for everybody. But that at the same time, it gave everybody an opportunity to kind of reset and um, look at all of their scores and sort of go back to best practices and do that like reboot. Um, and so hopefully everything will continue to trend in a good direction from this point forward and we don't go backwards into another pandemic anytime in the future. Um, so I thank you all so much for sharing all of your really great exemplars and all of the different ways that you can get at data and look at data. Um, is there anything else you want to share um, before we wrap up the panel today? And I'm going to go backwards direction. I'm going to start with Amy. I apologize. There's an overhead <laughs> announcement being made. Um, but I think the thing that I just wanted to share, you know, in thinking about um, quality improvement initiatives. I'll pause for a second. <laughs> Hopefully you're not hearing too much. That's okay. You can pause and I'll come back to you. Sure. Thanks. No problem. Kim. Um, I would say to, for all the people who are listening is to get curious about your results on your unit um, and see where you're at and um, how you can help be a part of the solution and making things better um, on your unit. Thank you for that. It's always great advice. Gosha, do you have anything new to, to add? Yes, thank you. I just wanted to mention that uh, if you're nervous about using Tableau, please don't. Um, feel free to just go around and navigate. You cannot break it. Um, we also have a tip sheet, um, just some basic Tableau navigation. Um, and it, that tip sheet is available on the Epic Training Portal. Just search for Tableau dashboard. And I also wanted to mention that there is a ton of reports available on Epic. Don't be scared or intimidated to use Epic reports. Um, and there is a great uh, new training video that was published maybe a month or two ago. Um, it's in my learning. It's called Epic GHM uh, Nurse Mastery Class forward slash reporting. It is a great 20 minute video. It's a great overview of how Epic reporting works. Um, so definitely check it out. That's it. Thank you. Oh, <clears throat> I love resources. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure, again, all of our nurses that are, that are watching this and, and other potential staff, it's so hard to keep up with all the amazing available resources. Um, and so thank you because that might help really destigmatize using Epic reports or Tableau for people just to know that there's some education available out there for them. Um, Holly? Yes, I think if, um, if you this and listened to our projects again, all of them were in PDSA format. We had a plan, we did an intervention, we studied the impact on outcomes, and then we acted. So if you're thinking about something that needs to improve and you need you know, a structure to think through what you're going to do, 
I highly recommend the Plan Do Study Act framework for quality improvement. Model for improvement is the, I think, official name for it. But I see folks shaking their heads. It's a great, it's a great tool to use to get yourself organized. Thanks, Holly. The beginning there, you were lagging a little bit. You got a little bit stuttery, but that's okay. It's not your fault. It's Zoom. Um, but I think what I was hearing you say was that you encourage anybody who's going to embark on quality improvement to use a, a framework and that one of your personal favorites is the PDSA framework or the model for improvement, right? Yes. And those um, models for improvement, if you don't know, they can be found on the CNI website. So. Um, Rosanna, anything to add to our overall discussion? I think I want to echo a little bit of what Kim was saying about being just curious. I think oftentimes, you know, we sit and wait to have information fed to us. I think you, being proactive does drive you to do more, it gets you more engaged, and it just encourages you to get uh, more involved. And so I highly encourage you that if you don't see that data being shared within your, your care areas and your units and your departments, that you ask, you inquire with your, your leadership just to say, hey, how are we doing with this? I think overall, one of the strategic priorities for us is to really make data easier um, and how do we find it, how do we trend it? And so there is a lot of different work being done throughout the organization, so it's very exciting to see. Um, so please, you know, be inquisitive. Get that information however you can, even if you don't feel comfortable getting it yourself having, um, encouraging your leadership within your unit to, to really steamroll that information for all staff. Because again, it's not just a value added for your permanent staff within your area and your care areas, but it's also very important for those that are just coming through. If it's, you know, a short-term staff member or so forth, you want to make sure that you, you're not negatively impacted because they just don't know. Um, and so that's a way to really share that information in real time. Great. Thank you so much. That's, um, valuable insights for especially because people are utilizing so many different ways of staffing right now that um, it's important across the board. All right, Amy, no more overhead announcements, I hope. Hopefully not. We've had a few today. Um, but I, you know, I'll kind of echo what my colleague here has said and just encourage our nurses to speak up, speak up and, and do something. You know, I, um, data can be a little intimidating when you use words like quality improvement. Everybody's like, oh, am I going to have to write a research paper? How do I do this? You know, I think that makes people nervous. But in reality, it's about asking a question, right? It's it's about noticing something that you think needs improved on in your area. It's about noticing that this process is not working for us, and I think we could improve something. That's that's really what it comes down to. And then partnering with your local leadership to say, hey, like Rosanna said, you know, where is that data? <laughs> we want access to this, or can you help me find this in Tableau, or do we have this somewhere else so that we can look at it in a larger, you know, snapshot and start to improve something. So don't be afraid to speak up. Um, don't be afraid to do something and get involved. Um, uh, my last plug will always be for our shared governance councils and committees. You know. There's a lot that goes on there, and we need our frontline nurses to be super engaged in those places. Because you all are the ones that are engaging with the patients day in and day out. You know what's going on. You know what the good things that are happening and the new trends, and you know that just the cutting edge of nursing is, is right there at the bedside by the patient. Um, and so we need that input from all of our frontline staff. Thank you so much. So one of the main takeaways from this um, panel discussion that I've heard from all of you today 
are words like partner, collaborate, us, we. I haven't heard anybody say, I did this by myself. And so for the folks that are listening, I think what's really crucial is, is knowing that you don't ever have to go at this alone and that there are resources available to you. So if you do have those questions, if you are curious, if you wanna be engaged, all the people who are here on this call are available to you. You reach out to them and, and let them know what your ideas are, what your concerns are, um, ways to improve processes. Um, and again, I wanna take this opportunity to thank all of the members of this panel today for sharing your expertise and your ideas. And um, we look so forward to seeing everybody at the SHINE conference. And thank you so much for your time and dedication and keep on shining. Thanks everybody for listening in. Look forward to hearing more from our SHINE recording.